0: Friends, welcome to another episode of the Ten Laws Podcast with East Forest. I am said Forest of the East. This week, I have a wonderful conversation with our dear friend Christopher Willets. You might know Christopher Willets from his music out there in the the spheres of beautiful, luscious ambient music. He's been doing it for a long time and doing it very well. But I've been trying to get him on the show and we finally, we finally had him. So I think you'll enjoy this. And if you stick around to the end of the conversation between Christopher and I, he guides us through a wonderful little uh, grounding meditation. So that is in this podcast as well. But one of the reasons I wanted to release this this week is because uh, Willits runs and, or is one of the, I believe he's the founder or one of the co founders. Anyway, he's highly involved. Shall we say with envelop, envelop SF, which is this cool space that I actually I did one of the uh, Ramdas chapter events, their release event, where it's it's got over thirty speakers and it's this very enveloping, immersive experience with sound. And as you can imagine, it's been tough with COVID for them to stay afloat because they can't really do these in-person events. So we're doing a release show, a virtual release show for the Spores album on November 1st with Envelope SF. So how does that work? Well, Chris is taking the whole Spores record and he's doing what's called a spatial remix. So he's kind of moving and playing with the sound so it becomes a bit more of a three-dimensional, dynamic, moving experience on headphones that we can all experience together collectively, virtually, as a live stream. So we'll listen to it. And then there'll be a QA and a with myself as well so we can discuss sort of how I made the record and what's going on and what our experience was like. So this is a donation-based event. If you want to, you can grab a ticket in advance, please. Go to eastforce.org slash tour and you'll see the event, see the links. Envelope has a website too if you want to search that and you'll see it on their streaming events. And I really look forward to sharing this with you. So that's uh, 11-1. I believe it's at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, something like that. And a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity to take a deep dive into Spores with this even more unique mixing experience. So check it out. That's coming up real soon. The Spores record is available on vinyl. There's only 300 copies. So some of those left if you want to get your holiday shopping on, grab one while they're, they're grabbing is good. We're going to make some little merch bundles too if you want to grab some other things in larger quantities or, you know, just kind of get a a bundle of things. It's kind of fun, like the perfume oils and and things like that. So if you're not on the mailing list, we'll probably mail out probably a little discount code or something like that for the holidays. Um, But get on that. You can get on the newsletter at eastforest.org. But thanks for everyone who subscribes to this podcast. You can do that now. It's a great way of showing your support. As well as giving the podcast a review. We are crazy close to crossing the 200 mark as the ratings on iTunes. And I'm hoping one of you out there will be the last person to push us right over the edge. It's always nice when we get written reviews too. And I just wanna say a shout out to Terry Jen. You say, always so relaxing and informative. I love the podcast, five stars. Thank you. Thank you for giving us that review. And thank you for all of you for listening. So crazy things happening. Um definitely go out there and vote if you haven't already. It's it's a great way to show your civic engagement, but your universal galactic engagement as well. Everyone is needed. Every voice is needed in many, many ways, and one of those ways is voting too. So thanks for doing that. It's getting pretty cold out there, uh which I I really like. It, the fall is is diving deeply. I got to play my my first outdoor show, um, well, my first show period since I was in Australia in February. Here in Boise, uh, our friends Duck Club Presents, they put together this outdoor show with myself and Magic Sword. And I played at the sunset, and by the time the sun crossed over the Rubicon, as it is, my fingers started to not work as well. So I had to keep things a bit more simplistic from that point forward. But, boy, it was it was fun. Um, I did record the set, so maybe I'll share some of that in an upcoming podcast, give you a little glimpse into... Uh, there was one track in there that was sort of a, a new uh, live improvisation thing, but that, that was fun. Even this morning, you know, it went down way below freezing last night here in Boise, Idaho, and we have a cold plunge, like one of those old clawfoot tubs outside the sauna, and uh, Rod and I took a sauna which was amazing to do the first thing in the morning when it's that cold. It's 140 in the sauna and I came out and there was so much ice on the tub that I'm like, no problem, I'll just blast through it with my whole body. And I pounded and pounded and pounded at it with my rump. Never broke. <laughs> I had to grab a propane tank and smash it and then get in and um, it was horrifically, wonderfully cold. Okay, guys. I don't know if this will be as much as a shock to the system as that cold water is, but I think it will warm your heart and you'll dive into the creative process and the music business and a guided meditation at the end. All things wonderful with our friend, Christopher Willits. So I was digging around your website, Chris, and I've heard your music and known you for many years now. And I noticed that in your bio, or kind of like about your work, it seems like there was a thread in it that I also try to convey in mine in that, like, theres this, is it true to you that there is a uh, directive or an ethos with your music that has to do with sort of introspection or personal transformation? Like it's actually, it's intentional that you're putting it out there for that or making it for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the main point of my music is to create a space. Mm -hmm. People can come into it and do the work that they need to do. And it's, it's working in these different ways where, you know, I'm creating it. I'm holding that space you know, for myself to express what I need to express and that that feeling. And at the same time, I'm imagining the listener and I'm imagining the space that that's creating and where that can take them. So, yeah, no matter what kind of music I'm making, for me it's very much about creating a space. And um, within that space, you know, you can do whatever work you need to do could be really relaxing for people. It could be more ceremonial for people. It could just be nice stuff that's going in the background to help some focus and kind of tune the attention a little bit. So there's all these different modes to kind of come into it. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm creating, I'm, I'm really feeling out, you know, kind of where does this thing need to go on a personal journey and a personal level? 'Cause that's, you know, that's the the kind of internal intention that I'm placing into it. And at the same time, I'm understanding, you know, imagining like where that connection is happening. You know, sound is such an incredible, powerful, universal language. And uh and people can interpret that language in infinite ways. Um There's a beauty of surrender in the creative process here, too, where Mm -hmm. it may mean something very specific to me and relate to, you know, a a certain feeling or narrative or something that I'm learning through. But also I'm very aware that everyone else is going to have their own narrative and their own interpretation.
0: Sure. Like, yeah. what is it, though, in your history or your background that led you to make largely uh, instrumental and ambient style music? I mean, can you just track us backwards? Has it always been that way? Or was there something that happened to you or a particular kind of event of any kind in your life, non-musical maybe, mm-hmm. that inspired you? as like, wait a minute, this is where I want to take it.
1: Yeah, I you know, grew up in a very musical family. My parents are old hippies, and I grew up listening to all kinds of stuff. Very diverse music, everything from the Rolling Stones to jazz, you know, to you know, <coughs> newer stuff at the time. You know, my parents were just incredible music lovers, so I was exposed to a whole bunch of music. And at a young age, I started playing piano. I wasn't really that into it because I felt like, the structure <laughs> of, of of learning it, of like, mm. it just felt very gridded and, and very kind of prescribed. And so I would just kind of improvise on the piano and play around. And my mom and dad took a notice of that. And I, you know, got into my parents' record collection when I was about 12 or so. I really started going deep and got a record player and just so grateful for the whole catalog of of energy that they had available to listen to and learn from. And my father, bless his heart. He, he's just, he saw how much I loved it. And he always wanted to play guitar. And so he got a guitar for me. And I had kind of mentioned some stuff in passing, like, Oh, I'm really feeling this music, you know? And he took that cue and materialized it into giving me my first guitar and it was it was a life-changing event. How old were you? At that time I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. And everything is is history after that. I mean, just playing guitar, it was I felt like I was able to speak in the way that I always wish that I could, you know, that I could speak through my heart. And you know, and then that's really what led me to start making more instrumental music. 'Cause I felt like there was an opportunity to reach more people instead of making it so language centric about yeah. using English and whatnot. And and I do definitely have music that has vocals and um you know uses English in it sometimes, but the majority of my music, the vocals that are in it are you know, harmonic layers that weave into guitar. And so yeah, I just it's always just been this feeling that I could say more through instrumental music than being more didactic and using a specific, you know, language and words.
0: Totally, man.
1: I was yeah. just, it's
0: funny you say that, because I was just having this conversation right as I woke up, I was having coffee with Radha, and we were talking about, like, the directness of of words, and I and guess I said, that's why I like music, because it's more broad and more open to interpretation if if anything it feels like it's closer to some it's closer to a kind of source and i like playing in that even though it feels to me as you get into words in some ways it's harder because they're more direct so now you have to get into the realm of poetry and things to paint like a more broad picture in a way and yeah. that's that's also why i got really into instrumental music i came from more of like pop background and i was like getting disillusioned with that so i totally vibed that you know
1: what yeah saying? and i experimented with that a lot too you know my first bands were like psychedelic funk rock noise like blending all that kind of stuff together and you know we had vocals in the music and whatnot but i just felt like there was more of a universal connection for myself to focus on guitar and all the tones and and harmonies that can come through that really a symphony in at my fingertips you know and um but there's you know it's a universal kind of connection i feel to the music for sure and but i don't think that it's less or more than you know music with words i'm definitely not down on any music with words. I think you just follow your heart into the music you feel you need to make. And that's that's the journey, it keeps evolving. And are you self-taught not just in
0: playing but in also production?
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean it's funny because I've I went to I went to art school. <clears throat> you know, very much self-taught playing guitar through high school. I mean I tried taking some guitar lessons and basically the teacher would just have me bring in some CDs that would be like you know what do you want to learn and he would like tab it out and show me how to do it and I was like this is this is actually really easy I'll just do this myself and uh-huh. so I would just woodshed in my in my room with my parents house you know and and just learn um, all the music um, hours of listening to John Coltrane and Jimi Hendrix solos and like pausing it and then going back and then playing it again and like playing along with stuff and understanding the patterns that I was really attracted to. And that kept growing. And then around, I don't know, I was maybe like 15 or 16. And I felt like I wanted to go deeper into jazz. And so I worked with this amazing guitarist uh, named Rod Fleeman who's a, a legend in the jazz world in Kansas City where I grew up and um he studied with um he played with Pat Metheny all the time and they both had the same teacher and and uh yeah he absolutely blew my mind because he kind of opened up different positions on the guitar and yeah. just blew open this complex Weaving of geometries and the patterns in ways that really, really benefited me. But I I only took lessons from him for about a month or so. Mm -hmm. And I felt at that point I got what I needed to get. He helped me see the spirals of the patterns on the fretboard. And, And then from there, it's just been a constant journey of allowing my imagination and then, and my heart to come out through my fingertips into, you know, these patterns and just letting it flow. So it's, it's been a constant process of, you know, discipline technique and, you know, you get to know all your scales and how things work together on a music theory level. And then also just letting that technical information melt away. So it can just be present in the expression that, you know, I'm, I'm wishing to get out there and share with people. So it sounds like
0: your process of, of playing music is is a practice for you and when I, I say that in the way like it's your method of personal transformation. Yeah. So is absolutely. is there a particular kind of do you attach any ritual to that or process or structure, or is it the opposite? It's like don't think about it, get out of the way, just do it.
1: Both. You know, there's there's times where Sometimes it's like chopping wood and carrying water, you know, it's just the discipline of sitting down and creating the space to, to create and having no expectation of what's going to come out of it and really having a discipline of play on that level too. Yeah. And then there's other times when I'm recording where, you know, I really set time and space and I'll know, like, okay, this day or this weekend is is when I'm going to make this piece. Like, for instance, on the album Horizon and on the album Sunset, those were all one-take pieces. I had written the compositions and then performed them a number of times. And then, you know, just was like, okay, this is the time I'm going to record it. And uh, after, you know, performing them a number of times before, just let those happen in the moment, very much like a, a live performance would happen. So I kind of move through a lot of different ways of working, but it's it's a combination of of play and having a discipline of just creating that space. And then also. Um, setting the time, you know, just going extra deep. And, that, that's a lot of it. It's just know. like
0: marking out the time, <laughs> you know, sitting Yeah. sitting down.
1: Yeah, and you <laughs> really do. You have to have a big chunk of time. It's, it's not like uh, you can just, you know, expect of yourself to make a track in like, you know, an hour or 20 minutes or something. I, I like to work in about four-hour chunks of time. Me you too. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good a good space you know you can get in and explore stuff you can see where it starts to develop and you can you know have a have a solid um session for yourself to kind of take the next steps forward on that whole path you know
0: yeah you get out before your ears get tired and then come back with something fresh and yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well so as you've moved through, the, you know, the process of making this, I'm, I'm getting the sense that it's kind of um, deepened for you, and not just like for yourself, but like what you're you're making. And is any of that? Do you feel like it's a direct response to what's going on in the world and the overall shifts that we're feeling and seeing, and the deepening of those shifts? Do you feel that your music and your that creative process for you feels like a really meaningful? way to create action against that or with it I should say um yeah does it feel I mean does it feel stronger for you now or like where are you going with it you know where how are you feeling about things
1: well yeah I think you know music and the creative process is such a powerful medicine it's a medicine in the creation of it for me And then also, I want to create that opportunity for people to use that as a medicine within their life, however they wish to. And anything that's happening for me is going to just naturally come out of the music, whether I want it to or not. And I I surrender all the control for that. You know, I'll have a general intention for a piece of music. For instance, Sunset was really about that idea of surrender and using the sunset Mm -hmm. as a metaphor of letting go. You know, letting go of the past, letting go of the future, saying hello to the present, letting go of your expectations. And also, there's a larger, more personal context for me because my parents are going through some health problems and I see their passing on the horizon. And that's something we talk about regularly. And I actually created all of that music at Snowgo Studios, I'm talking about um, the album "Sunset." And my friend, uh, Brett and I, you know, he has this beautiful studio in Whitefish, Montana, I went up there, and I just cleared all the expectations of what needed to happen. And Brett's like, "You know, the space is yours. Let's just see what happens." And all this music started to to um, come out of it. You know, we did these takes like I was mentioning and then listening back through it with my parents mm. it really resonated that this was music about surrender and letting go and it was it was a really beautiful process we actually had a a mushroom ceremony and uh with your parents with my parents yeah they are good hippies that's good <laughs> <laughs> good good hippies <laughs> yeah Good for them. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and in listening to that, you know, and talking to them after, we we had such a just beautiful just communication about. God, that's so know,
0: beautiful, man! You're so lucky you guys could share that.
1: It was it was incredible, and it was it was really amazing. You know, that whole experience, just being with them and and talking through, and I was playing the music through that. And this is before i had given the album name it's before i'd done any mixing on it These are just like the takes that i created that later became the album and my dad was like i want you to play that at my funeral or he's like i don't want it like a normal funeral i just want a memorial and i want you to play that music at it and um i was like you know right after that i was like wow this thing is actually it is an album it's called sunset it's uh it's about letting go. It's about surrender, you know. And um, <laughs> it's, it's just such an incredible, mysterious process. But you know, as I, like, it's fun to look through the mystery and can see, okay, what made that come to be. And you know, it began with just the the openness of allowing the music to become whatever it needed to be, and then the space with my parents, you know, sharing that with them. That organically emerged. And then that began to inform what it is. So I think that happens pretty much with all my music. It's more of this bottom-up process. You know, I'll have an intention oftentimes to kind of frame it. But no matter what that intention is, things happen that you cannot control. And you have to flow with it. And you, let go through it. And it begins to teach you things that are always, you know, exactly what you need to know. I mean, it seems like,
0: A really important element in that was you sort of listening as the process was that is what it's all about because otherwise you easily could have kind of missed these communications in a sense it's this feedback loop of like how it's forming into into shape and when I hear you talk about that you made that record and then you used it in that session with your parents and there seemed to be something really special that happened in that moment right and but I don't think I'm guessing you didn't think about it as a musical tool when you were making it, right? But it, it turned into this sort of ritualistic tool for your sure. parents. Sure, it, you well, it, it
1: was. Yeah, I mean, because kind of everything I make, I'm using as as like a medicine in a way for myself, and then others can enter into it. But I didn't really think that it was going to be that specific for your of family. mean yeah. utilitarian. <laughs> kind of, yeah, you know, thing. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I love the, the word listen. It's such a powerful and clear word. And when you're creating, you're listening to yourself. You're listening to your love. You're listening to how that wants to be expressed. And as the music is coming out, you're listening to what that music wants. And this gets into the notes that you're choosing later in kind of the post-production process of how you're mixing those notes, how you're aligning that expression to settle and finally, you know, surrender to whatever it is that you've created. And then allowing the listener, you know, to listen and and framing that space, um, just the the best well, can. how do you do that?
0: because I think some people might be thinking in their heads right now. It's like I understand the concept, but how does that manifest in your mind or in your heart or in your body, not just maybe when you're making it, but also then when you're sort of you know, you've got that critical mind about, okay, should I do this, should I change that? What does it feel like or look like to you to be listening versus not listening
1: well it's a, it's an energy, it's an attention. <clears throat> you know from the very beginnings of feeling the music coming out it's a it's a warm glow and it's in my heart and my vision is open my mind is quiet that warm flow is coming out through my arms into my fingertips if i'm playing guitar or up through my my throat and out my mouth actually when I'm playing guitar a lot of times I'm always kind of singing the lines too. kind of get Mm -hmm. both channels moving and it feels really in sync with where the vision is going and then you make the recording and then you listen okay what needs to happen here are there any changes that need to occur how does the music want to connect to the larger intention of whatever this piece is about and then that's where like the minutiae starts to begin because oftentimes there'll be some layers of things. And so, you know, on a, on a microscopic level, you know, I'm asking myself, okay, how does this sound fit into that larger intention? And how did the vibrations of that sound connect to all the other vibrations within this composition to, you know, occupy the space that I'm imagining? And so... There's this, these scales of listening from the micro to the macro, and then, you know, you get that completed in the way that feels is, you know, appropriate to the, the numerous present moments that have, you know, occupied this music, and then it gets to people. And I just love hearing how people utilize the music, and that always gives me a lot of feedback to see how it's translating. Because I can know that it's working for me and hearing from others to understand how it's working from them helps to connect the circuit. And it's always a process of iterating on that and refining that and improvising through it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when a piece is released into the world, it feels sort of like you're making a little boat and you push it out (laughs) and that's it has its own life now. and. I often feel like you might hear a story from someone about an experience they had. And part of me is, of course, excited and overjoyed. And part of me, though, feels like I don't really have much responsibility with that anymore. I feel like, I feel like that's beautiful. And I feel a thread of connection to it. But I'm like, that was between you and the music now. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to take credit for that. That was, that was you and that piece. And it's like two beings in a sense.
1: I feel the same way. Um... Yeah, looking at responsibility, I think is is a really <laughs> meaningful thing, right? And and surrendering that responsibility when you're ready, because what is your responsibility as a creator? And well, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, I mean, what is it for you? For me, it's, and it goes into a larger question. It's like, what is our path, just as a being here together on this planet? And, you know, what is our karma? How are we moving through that? What are we learning? And for me, it's so much about completing the process, completing the work that needs to be done, completing the service that needs to be done. And that can come down to these very specific things like completing a piece of music. So that it's like asking, what is it? that needs to conclude. What is it that is, what is ready to be surrendered on mm-hmm. this path? And through that expressive process, I'm taking responsibility for myself to complete that in the way that feels natural to the process. Once it reaches someone else, yes, it is actually their music. And that's what's so incredible. I mean, when someone's listening, they're actually creating the music. They are making the music in that moment. It's kind of it like the tree
0: falls in a forest kind of thing. It's like you need the listener. Oh, You yes. need the act of listening to create the alchemy in a way. You Absolutely. did it as you were making it. And now it's just this entity out there and needs another yes. listener.
1: It's very quantum when you get down mm. to it. And it's also mm-hmm. just... Very simple. Mm. You know, everything that we're experiencing, we are creating. We're translating into our understanding, you know, through these perceptions. And then we can learn from it. And in that learning, we can complete the next steps along the journey.
0: You're talking a few times now about uh, letting go and endings and sunsets. Uh, what What is it you think, like what's coming up for you that's wanting to be let go of or have its own ending so something new can be born? And maybe that's a microcosm of what you're seeing in our communities or in the world.
1: Well, there's so much going on. Um, on a musical level, I'm creating a new album right now. Mm-hmm. I had, it's uh, it's so interesting, I had a whole other album that was growing before the pandemic, and then I completely shifted gears. How far along pandemic, were you? Oh, I was like, I was getting ready to mix pretty much. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then after everything set in, it it felt like that wasn't really the music that I wanted to be working through right now. So I've been working on this whole new album and, uh, currently there's about eight tracks on it and they just keep going deeper and deeper. I I don't Mm -hmm. have a specific timeline on it right now. I'm just letting them complete themselves. But every time I get into these and, uh, you know, every day I'll choose a different one to work on just based intuitively, which one feels like the path to be on, um, so those those definitely, you know, want to be completed, but I'm not trying to rush it or anything. There's not like any timeline on it specifically. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of technical and little and um, big and little life things I wish to have completed too. I mean, there's been a lot of challenges going on with my parents' health right now. And my mom's been struggling through Alzheimer's. And so... This is a big season in uh, the lifetime of our family, and uh, we're transitioning her into a memory care facility very soon here. And talk about a paradigm shift, you know? Yeah, I mean, my it's a mom major is,
0: milestone of your she entire is, life.
1: She is such an amazing person and such a creative being, and she's our. She's the mom, you know. She's our mm-hmm. nurturer, and now we need to step up and nurture her. And there's, you go through a lot of feelings, you know, when you know your parents are struggling on, on these different levels. And I'm just really grateful of uh, the whole family, you know, not just my my sister and my my father, but the whole support of the whole family. We're all on the same page, and you know, we've got mom's interest, number one. We want to make sure she's safe and can get the best care as possible. You know, we tried to do it ourselves as long as possible, but it's just, um, she's getting to the point where accidents can happen very easily. And so we found a good spot that she can go and, um, we can see her very quick, you know, easily. It's like a mile away from, you know, where she's been living and stuff. So, you yeah, know, that's, that's a big one. And that's a, there's a lot of technical considerations that go into that and there's a lot of adaptive things and, and emotional work that we're, you know, that we're embracing as a family. And, uh, so yeah, that's, it's a long process, but, um, that's something that's coming to conclusion right now. And, uh, it's all flowing. Very, very grateful. And, um,
0: how did your mom respond to like you told us? How your dad responded when he played Sunset initially? What was her response?
1: Oh yes, I mean she loved it. She was uh, she was singing with it. You know what's incredible is right now she can't really remem- remember our names, but she knows who we are. Still, gratefully, <laughs> very grateful of that. But we're also prepared. There may be a time. Or she doesn't recognize us or something. But you know what she doesn't forget is music. I was going to ask you. Yeah. It's amazing. That is amazing. She can't remember the names of her kids or her husband or the names of the dogs, but she knows all the lyrics to Jumping Jack Flash.
0: Can she sing along with like (laughs) a song if you put it on? Yes. That's amazing.
1: And as I was playing Sunset, she was humming along and creating new harmonies with it.
0: Mm.
1: And we'll be driving in the car and I'll just put on some music, stuff she's never heard before. And she improvises with it. She anticipates <laughs> where the melodies are going. It's really incredible. Her musical mind has expanded. And there's some beautiful research that's been done on this. Um, Oliver Sacks comes to mind. The memory of music is distributed throughout the neural pathways in your brain. It's not just in the language center and, and things like this. And and Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia really really affects uh, language centers quite heavily. But the music is in all these other places. Yeah, you know? and and dots. I would say it's it's going to more kind of subatomic level. You know, it's it's connecting into the uh, a larger you know fabric. Of everything that is, you know, that vibration is is a vibration of all, and it's a it's a very specific and intentional vibration. And she's picking up on that. Mm. So yeah, and, and her new spot that we're setting her up with, I'm gonna gonna get her an amazing sound system in there and and make an easy interface so she can just uh, her or her care providers can can make sure she's got her favorite music on and everything.
0: Yeah could hook it up to an Alexa or something and, <laughs> and just start saying things that could get very confusing though I suppose <laughs> it starts yeah, playing random music <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'm sorry that you're going through that, but it also sounds like it's uh it's kind of a fierce fire that's bringing you closer to the the mystery yeah. itself, and if anything, it sounds like you're going through uh, incredibly. Rich time, if not difficult time, amidst yeah. everything else that's going on. I mean, I know it's such yeah. a dynamic time for the obvious reasons. And then also, um, the music industry itself has been sort of turned upside down a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm really feeling inspired. I'm feeling grounded. I embrace the challenges, for sure. But I feel prepared.
0: Just what are the and, and, it, and what are the it. things that help you feel that way? Are there any other practices you're using besides staying connected to creativity
1: and music? Yeah, definitely. I mean, meditation is a big part of my life, and having the discipline of meditating is uh, is indispensable. Giving that time of just quiet and peace, grounding to this earth in the present moment and as you meditate more it ripples out into all of your decisions and in every moment that you're within so definitely grateful of of all those practices grateful of uh, qigong and tai chi and everything that's taught me about the flow of energy and and uh, the movement of grace through the body and staying healthy you know, exercising, eating good food being aware of where the attention goes you know, understanding where challenges and distraction can come up and pulling your attention back to your priorities and what you need to be focused on. What does your meditation look like? I do a lot of So it's kind of a combination of Zen meditation and a lot of visualization techniques. So first thing I'll do is, you know, just ground myself and understand, just listen to everything that's going on within me. And then allow those things to move and just kinda move them out of my space. I mean I could we could walk through a whole meditation here, but generally it's it's kind of like Do you teach meditation? I do, yeah. And I love it. Yeah, I teach a lot Can of things. Can we
0: maybe we could well. maybe not right now, but I'd like to yeah. we've often done this on the podcast. We end it with well, by let's doing do a meditation.
1: It. It'd be incredible.
0: I, yeah, be we'll incredible. do that when we close.
1: Yeah. I mean in I think a simple way to put it is it's like it's like kind of taking a shower for your energy field. <laughs> you know, cleaning out your mind and it's you know. an energy douche. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, if you don't have a meditation practice, it's it's okay and um, there's a lot of ways that people can kind of come back to their grounding and into their center, but it's really easy to find a meditation practice. It's easy to have resistance and maybe not know what to do, but you can just sit and breathe, give yourself the time and space to do that. I mean, if you think of all the times you're taking a shower or you're brushing your teeth, they're sitting on the toilet, you know, um, you can at least take that amount of time to just sit quietly and breathe and find a meditation technique that works for you.
0: mm. Yeah, the phone's taken up most people's time. It's sort of filled the gaps
1: of life mm-hmm. and
0: uh, hurried, hurried yes. the mind.
1: So you get a get a meditation app. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't. I mean, I think that's great. You know, some that's another entry point for people. But you know, you definitely don't need technology, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, our our attention and our bodies and all of this energy moving through us is the highest technology available.
0: Just no doubt.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, let's put a pin in that and just circle back to that in just a little That'll bit. Um, I just want to switch gears a little bit and <clears throat> mention before we forget or run out of time that we're doing this event together on November 1st at Your Space Envelop, which you have a couple of them, but the, the first one, the main one, I believe in, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is a spatial audio enveloping sound space. I think there's 37 speakers.
1: Yeah, I 32 correctly. speakers that surround the 32. audience. So basically making a, a sphere of sound around the audience, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you can move things around. And uh, I'm sure that's been tough, that you, not being able to do in-person events for any live music venue. It's been really... Uh, we might lose a lot of venues. I hope you guys can hang on. So that event, I know, is helping you guys out. So we encourage people to join that. And we'll put some information in the show notes. But um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about... Why you're in, or what makes you know? People are like, I don't. What is this? What is spatial mm-hmm. remixing, and why? Mm-hmm. And I know you, last time I was there, you were telling me how turned on you are by this whole process. It's kind of all you want to really be doing at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what is it about that? Like, why is that different? Why is that special to you?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'll give you guys the big brushstroke. So envelop is a nonprofit organization that I co-founded and I direct. And it's all about listening together. You know, it's about creating a space where we can really put the listening experience first. And so we create immersive audio venues that have a bunch of speakers surrounding the audience. Speakers above you, below you, around, all around you. And then we also create software tools that allow artists to make immersive music easier than ever. So all of these are free and open source software tools. And that's really important because a lot of this technology has had a lot of gatekeeping. It's been very expensive or there's certain kind of formats you have to use to do it this way or that way. So, you know, we became a nonprofit in 2015 and it's amazing to see the impact that the spaces and the software have had on creators and also listeners, you know, we're Mm -hmm. all listeners, but you know, the audience and and then also the creators. And so in Envelope SF, we have this listening space and we host about 40 to 50 people at a time. Everyone's sitting in a circle. We had some comfortable chairs for people to relax on. And then the artists can tell the sound where to go any one of these points in this virtual sphere of sound within the software and then that translates out into the actual environment of the space. It brings everyone together in a way that is just so inspiring. I mean, the reason why we created this and I've had a vision of this type of a music venue for years, I knew it would have some really powerful social implications. But the impact that we're seeing has gone beyond our wildest dreams. And it's so inspiring to see people really go through a transformation and you know, just expressing how they never listened to music this attentively and this well before i mean the the sound system is incredible you've got you know sounds moving all around you you're sitting by people that some you may know some you may not know but that whole experience of being inside the sound is bringing people together on another level and it's it's going beyond like you know just saying hello and getting to know someone or whatever you're actually having this very deep and intimate shared experience with people I mean, we've all felt it at shows, you know, you go to a show and you're listening to your favorite artist, and everyone's like, "Ah, I love this song or, you know, they're feeling the emotion that and you can look over to someone you don't you don't even know and you feel a love for them. You have this group empathy that starts to emerge and in a lot of ways, you know, there's like this bridge socially that just comes together, you know. And envelop listening spaces, amplify that. That's what it's all about.
0: I mean, do you think it's creating a greater group connection and deeper experience for people because the novelty of it being uh, different than a stereo field? Or is it something more going on there, you think? Or is it also just feel like it's like a new technology in a way, sort of 3D mixing? Mm Because I can see that being like the next threshold of of Mm -hmm. mixing with headphones as the technology changes.
1: For sure. I mean, many of us don't realize it, but the music that we listen to, you know, the stuff that you hear on Spotify or Apple Music, it's all essentially, if you think of it in terms of the geometry of listening, the music is coming at us from a two-dimensional plane. You can kind of imagine this if you're, you know, at a festival watching someone and you've got these stacks of speakers, one's on the left, one's on the right, and it's coming at you from one direction. That's great, you know. However, we listen in three dimensions. And so, you know, what happens when you actually make music that can live and be expressed in three dimensions as opposed to it just coming from one direction? And what we found is it greatly amplifies all the love and creativity that the artist has put into that music. Because you can start to make gestures of the composition, you know, musical lines and and different passages, you know, move up and around the audience, all creating this more active listening experience. Because you're not just listening The front of you, right? right? You're listening to everything around you, and it's not just your ears, you're feeling things in your body, you're feeling sensations all around you. So, when you're actually inside the music, that's what's amplifying this more connected feeling. You know,
0: yeah. What does that what's that going to look like for a streaming event that we're doing and that you've been doing?
1: Yeah, so with the pandemic hitting, we had to cease operations in two of our venues, we have Envelope SF and Envelope SLC. And unfortunately we had to close Envelope SLC permanently in May. Oh man. Cause it was just, you know, we had started in 2019, things were going great, but I mean, we just didn't have a runway to make us through this pandemic. Right. Um, and our partners out there, you know, they, they had to shift gears to be able to generate some revenue for the space and other operations that they're involved in. So we had to let go of Envelope SLC. We had a really good fundraiser with the community pretty quickly right after the pandemic to, to help us generate, you know, some more revenue so we could just stay afloat. Because even though we can't do shows and our revenue is down 100 percent we still got bills, you know, we still got staff that is living in one of the most expensive cities in the world and very grateful for the community for stepping up and doing that. And what we've been doing in terms of our kind of key activity during the venue closures has been what we call envelope stream. And so we're taking immersive audio mixes and we're making these headphone experiences using a technology it's called spatial audio. So when you're in, a sphere of sound with 32 speakers, you can probably understand how that works. You know, there's a sound going above you, below you, all around you. When you're on headphones, it's, it's a little different, you know, because you're just using headphones. So you're asking, well, how does that actually work? This technology is encoding the directionality of sound into a two-channel sound field. So when you're using headphones, you can still feel, you know, movement going up and around and behind your head. It's quite fascinating. It's not quite the same as actually being inside speakers that are, you know, tuned for that experience. Sure. But it's it's a great second uh, best and it's really accessible for anyone. So, you know, if you listen to Horizon or Sunset, just the versions that are streaming through Spotify, you'll hear the spatial audio mix of that you know, spherical sound field that's moving in all these different directions. Mm. And and I've definitely found that that also helps deepen the listening experience. Because instead of it just being um a left and right kind of movement of stuff, you actually get this a know, little more
0: three dimensional, like three yeah, dimensionality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Things start to move more and, and it it helps you really listen into the detail of the sound. Hmm. Well, I look forward to experiencing that myself with the piece.
0: With yeah, the I'm so record. excited That'd to work cool. on the
1: mixes. So That'd be really cool. Yeah, I'll send those to you soon. I'm uh, going to try some new mixing techniques with that. So we're taking spores and then making yeah. a spatial audio mix out of spores. That'll be psychedelic. <laughs> that would be
0: great. Um, and are you seeing any, are you like hopeful about where things are going? Let's just, <laughs> let's just, keep it within let's say music and industry that we're in and are there some trends or you're kind of seeing it moving in a direction that you're you're working with or preparing for or worried about or excited about
1: yeah okay (laughs) there's a lot to talk about here music industry shifts have just been which
0: includes the listeners in a big way you know like how it all how it all happens in our lives
1: in our worlds you know the role Mm -hmm. plays and for us it's a career Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is, it's just been surreal. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a touring musician. Um, You know, I'm the director of Envelop, and a lot of our revenue comes from ticket sales, you know, and ticket donations through the nonprofit. And I also teach at different institutions, and all three of those have been impacted by this. (laughs) So it's so surreal. You know, early on, it hit me pretty quickly, like in about March or so, despite, you know, some people thinking, oh, this is just going to be a couple months. I really felt in my gut, that this is going to be a long-term process. And it hit me hard, had some grieving and and let go of all the expectations I had for the next year or two. Yeah, that was tough. You know, and it was, you know, it's, um, but also like amazing, like, like. I've had this sense of adventure through the whole thing. Even in that time, you know, I remember talking to my, my parents at one point and, uh, you know, and just like, just crying, just like, I, this is just amazing, you know, but it's like, I wasn't sad. It was more just like, this is a, the new, this new thing is happening and just really grateful of the friends and family that are around To support through that and just reminding, like when you strip it all down, being present, focusing on what you love to the best you possibly can, make the adjustments you need, you know, support each other and we're going to get through this, you know, support your neighbors, support your family, call your friends, you know, step up in every, every single way that you can, stay dedicated to your work, be healthy, keep learning, you know, get your... Get your discipline dialed in a new level. You know, there are new opportunities. As things crumble, there are also new opportunities. Within the music industry, you know, to speak specifically about that, I'm seeing that people are really using the music as a medicine um, like never before. Community. You know, the conversations I've been having um, with people who reach out and whatnot, it's been really inspiring to heal, hear that. And I think that there's just a um, a really powerful utility. You know, this medicine is is very functional for people right now. And um, so that's cool, you know. And mm-hmm. and I think you know, streaming has has gone up to some degree, which is which is cool. On the other hand, you know, without any shows and without any timeline to plan for it makes, you know, seeing into kind of the next steps a lot more challenging. So I've just been focusing on, you know, what's the next step? What's the next thing that needs to be completed? Where's my attention? What needs to, who can I serve? You know, how am I serving myself? And just flowing with it. There are many venues, as you mentioned before, that are closing down through this. Mm-hmm. We don't know how bad it's going to be right now, but it's going to be bad. I mean, envelop. we are on very thin ice right now. You know, we're going to do another round of fundraising here towards the end um, now until the end of the year, maybe into January, too, depending on how it goes. And, you know, we may have to figure something else out. We don't even know. and um, And we've been very lucky with the support we've gotten from our community. But there's many venues that aren't aren't doing good at all. I mean, even just in San Francisco, there's a handful of, of legendary venues that are closing down. There's mm-hmm. probably going to be thousands of venues um, that are going to close down when we can actually reopen. So that is, it's just devastating. It's devastating for artists. It's devastating for. Managers and booking agents, it's devastating for the people who are working in these venues. Everyone from the bartenders to the people working sound and the venue owners, it's um, it's really, really tough. Um, you know, we're a member of Neva who is, uh, you know, they're advocating for um, federal relief and, and um, you know, for independent venues because there's not really a lot that's come through the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um so we got our fingers crossed that some more help can come down financially but even then it's still going to be really tough. Um but let's let's think of the of the positive aspects of it. I think we're all reminding ourselves how important music is for our well-being. That's wonderful. And you know, if you're an artist that's uh, streaming and able to keep doing stuff, you know, hopefully You're, you know, you're using this as an opportunity to connect deeper with your audience, you know, from the kind of um, agency level, um, label level and things like this. um, We've been seeing some really concerning trends in the music industry uh, for a while now, the last uh, 10 years, the last three to five years, especially things are just becoming a lot more corporate and
0: um what do you what mean by that him? like major well, labels influence yeah or? like
1: independent venues independent mm-hmm. venues yeah, becoming sure. live nation non independent anymore yeah. um booking agencies who used to serve um, yeah well,
0: that's been crazy in the last few years they all yeah, in, they're all getting consumed by the bigger they're all
1: ones. being yeah they're all yeah. being consolidated and um you can kind of think of it in terms of like, kind of like agriculture, where you have like a, a, divi- a diverse ecosystem of food growing together versus uh, a monoculture of one thing. Um, you know, the, the ecology of music um, and the music industry has been shifting for a while and the pandemic is, um, is really affecting this. What it's going to look like after that, I think we're shaping that future right now. I mean, we're seeing some of that monoculture starting to break down, but it's really unclear, like, you know, is the level of that diminishing and then, you know, is that threshold going to be counterbalanced by independent venues and small businesses that can still hang on through this? You know, we don't really know, but there is an opportunity for some of this conglomeration that's been happening in the industry to maybe break up a little bit and allow more opportunity for independent venues, independent artists to kind of get a a foothold again. Now in terms of touring too, and You can tell me when to stop because I can keep going on about this forever. But the, well, I'm selfishly the, interested. because yeah, this, I mean, know, it's, it's on my mind a lot, so yeah. it's nice. It's for me to It's fascinating because about it. it's it's all going to change the economics of it when you don't have a healthy venue ecosystem that can afford fees for artists. And, you know, we've seen fees for artists uh,
0: go down. Really,
1: yeah. well, it's, well, it's been really rising. Yeah. Fees have been rising a lot since, you know, physical product has gone down in sales. And there's, there's some definitely, uh, there's some need for that, you know, because as an artist, you're not really selling, you know, physical products as much. Um, and streaming is the thing, but streaming doesn't really generate much income. So to compensate for that, fees for live shows have gone up for artists, which has been a good thing for us. But I think we're definitely going to see a hit in fees because you don't have, um, there's not that same economy to be able to support it. So it's anyone's guess as to what's going to happen. I definitely am thinking positive and I'm also looking at it through the lens of envelop and other types of listening spaces. I mean, one of the reasons I made Envelope was to create an opportunity that goes beyond the normal music venues. I've seen problems with these for years. The, the focus isn't the music. The focus is selling alcohol. Yeah. You know, the focus is, and it's great. I'm not saying that's all bad, but the focus isn't always the music for a large number of venues. And I'm not saying this for every kind of traditional music venue that just has a couple of speakers pointing right at the audience. No, but
0: But they they really care, like, is it an audience you're bringing in? Not only are you filling the seats, but do they drink? Like, I, I've had Googlers
1: influenced yeah. by that. Like, will it's how yeah. you know? your audience uh, they drink a lot? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> so I mean, it's, they're probably going to be high, but I don't think they're <laughs> going to be drinking. So, um, and anyways, it's just it's so interesting to see how this is all going to play out. I think that um, you know, saying through the lens of envelop. You know, I'm seeing with the team new opportunities where we can create new enveloped spaces and 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 serve the community in new ways and help to get this kind of paradigm shift moving through the music industry because I don't think these um, these traditional venues have really been serving the audience the best they possibly can already and again not to I've you know some of my great friends like run venues and I'm not trying to be judgmental of that it, it serves a very important purpose in our society. But also, I think we can go a little further and we can have deeper social and emotional bonds created through sh- simply shifting the way that we're listening together and the way that we're focusing into that in new ways. Mm-hmm. So how that scales, you know, we have yet to see. But I, I definitely am, I remain optimistic that, um, you know, we can, we can rebuild in, in a new way. As opposed to just trying to, you know, push through and try to rebuild what there was before, which already had problems. You know, we have an opportunity to rebuild things from the ground up.
0: It's a kind of sunset or a series of sunsets of closings here. So something new can emerge and that that seems to be happening across the board in all different aspects of our lives and the world. Mm -hmm. So here it is in another shape. Um. Yeah, man. I feel like this could be a good point if you're feeling cool to maybe guide us through a little like Willett's meditation style and uh, we can close
1: out with that. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So let's do a grounding meditation. All right. So find a good comfortable place to sit. You can sit in lotus position half lotus on the ground or just sit in a chair make sure your posture is good though so you can put a pillow behind your back maybe make sure you got a nice upright back take a couple big deep breaths in through the nose out through the nose and just say hello to yourself here right now in the present moment And say hello to yourself, making some time. Just be present. Okay, so we're going to do a grounding meditation. And we've got our setup here, seated either on the ground or in a chair. Put your hands on your legs too, just relax your fingers right onto the tops of your thighs. And although we're sitting right now, this grounding meditation can be utilized at any time. You could be walking around and you could do this meditation. You can be driving. You can do this meditation. It's nice to really hone it seated with your eyes closed. And the more you do this, the more you can start to integrate it in any step of your life. So we're going to be breathing in through our nose and out through our nose. Let's take another deep one in. And out. All right. Place your attention right in to the center of your head. This is going to be our anchor point. So imagine a golden ball right between your ears and right between the front and the back of your head okay this is a neutral point of focus this isn't a chakra there's nothing moving around here it's just a golden ball just visualize that if your mind is wandering it's okay too Visualizations are fun. Just imagine you're playing. So about the size of a golf ball. Right between the middle of your head, between your ears and between the front back of your head. So from this point, we're going to use this as an anchor. And we're going to anchor ourselves to the center of the earth with this golden ball this neutral space right in the center of our head. So take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the nose, just regular breathing. And from the center of this golden ball, let's draw a line straight down to the bottom of our spine. So this line is just naturally just falling with the gravity of the earth all the way down to the bottom of our spine. And notice what this line looks like. There's no judgment on it. Just notice what it looks like. It might look like a beam of light. It may look like a string. It may look like a root or a vine. It may look like a cable or something. Just notice what it is. As you notice that string, that line that's coming down, it's allowing you to be present with that connection from the center of your head to the base of your spine right. Just say hello to yourself doing this grounding meditation. Let's have some more fun here. So now allow the line to continue from the base of your spine and just gently drop down below where you're seated, through the floor, through the earth below you, all the way down through the earth's crust, through the Earth's mantle and let this line go all the way to the center of the Earth. And there's really no trying here. You just let it flow effortlessly down. Just have fun with it. If you're seeing your mind wander, it's okay. Come back to the center of your head. That's your anchor point. And as you breathe, just review this line, center of the head, center of the base of the spine, right down your back. And then the base of your spine, all the way down to the center of the earth. And just notice how that feels. Might feel things slowing down a little bit. May feel a little bit of gravity. May feel like a weight has been taken off your shoulders. Now what we're doing is just being present with the gravity of the earth on this earth. As you continue to breathe, review that line again, center of the head, base of the spine, center of the earth. Now, if you want, you can take another line It goes from the center of the earth and pull that back up to the base of the spine. It's kind of like a second little connection point just to kind of get you in there. A fun way to think about this is a (laughs) seatbelt. When we're grounding ourselves, we're putting on our (laughs) seatbelt. And after we put on our seatbelt... We've got a nice stable place, a safe place to move through our journey. So let's just review one more time as you're just breathing, center of the head, all the way down, base of the spine, base of the spine, center of the earth, And then bring up that connection from the center of the earth back to the base of the spine. And just feel what it's like to be grounded in this moment. This is how we naturally are. We're grounded. We're here on Earth. <laughs> we're together. We feel the Earth's gravity. It's very easy for us to go into the future. You know, we're, we have very active minds. We can go in the future, we can go in the past. And that's okay. We can also just remind ourselves to be present. Put on our seatbelt here, embrace every new change that's coming our way. So take another deep breath. Just validate doing that meditation. Validate if you're seeing that line, the center of your head, the center of the earth. Validate if you weren't seeing the center of your head or that line or the center of the earth. Either way, it's totally fine. But just recognize that you gave yourself the time and the place to ground yourself. And when you're grounded, you're present, you're embracing the next changes, and you can also begin all kinds of other energy work. You may be working with plant medicines. You may be doing some type of chakra work. You may be clearing out some past trauma from different energy centers. And that's fine. Because now you're all set up. So let's conclude the meditation. Remember to keep breathing. I like to just bend over, touch the ground, recognize where we're at. Nice little reminder of conclusion. And there you go. There's a grounding meditation for you. Mm, Thank you. Didn't the Buddha, when he reached enlightenment,
0: he touched his finger to the ground as the answer, Mm -hmm. as the response? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was so... Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. Connecting the circuit.
1: Connecting the circuit with you. Connecting the circuit with all these amazing listeners out there. And that was beautiful. Doing improvised meditation. We're connecting the circuit with ourselves to the earth, to this present moment. You know, surrendering the future, surrendering the past and just being here, being in service to each other. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks so much. It's good to see you, but
0: thank you for giving us some time and it's longer than I know too. you expected.
1: <laughs> ah, I love it. I can't believe an hour, hour and whatever else went by. I mean, time dilation. It's, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing and very grateful to share your music on november 1st
0: yep we'll, we'll link to that and um to your work as well and uh thank you so much hopefully we'll do
1: it again yeah hope to see you soon too man thanks buddy yeah we'll connect soon enough much love everyone thank you so much thank you mr willets
0: for joining us always good to spend time with you and thank you for your generosity in sharing us, uh, sharing with us that, that meditation this song that you're hearing in the background is called Coast and it's a Christopher Willits song you can dive into his music anywhere you listen to music and he also has some really amazing visuals that he often incorporates with a lot of his live shows and you can see some of that on Vimeo, a bit of that on YouTube if you want to kind of get a multi-layered experience with his work but it's another deep dive. And he did a rework for the Ramdas project. So on the Reworks album, there's the I Am Loving Awareness Christopher Willett's rework. So if you, if you haven't heard that, you should check that out. It's amazing. As well as the entire Reworks album. A lot of people who are fans of the Ram Dass album aren't aware that that exists. And it's actually eight more songs. I think it's eight. Um, with, you know, just more. It's more wonderful Ramdas material. So... Stay tuned to see if we can crack up a little more for you. Uh, That's a little bit on the secret down low right now. But for now, you guys, keep walking your walk. Keep your head on straight. I know it's, it's getting crazier, but I believe in you. You can do this. Don't take any shit, but when you do, just do it with grace.